How do we become one with Jesus? Now, if we think about how we become one with Jesus, how do we see Jesus? What is your perspective of Jesus? We know that our perspectives are different because our relationship with Jesus is different. Some of us, we see Jesus as a king, as a ruler. Others, we see him as a healer. And then even others see him as a father. A person there for us. Then there's others that see him as an advocate. That he speaks on our behalf. That when we go through our troubles and trials, that Jesus, he knows our sins. He knows everything about us. But when he gave his life on that cross, he also became our advocate. Others, they see Jesus as a teacher. That we learn through his words. But today I want to talk about Jesus as a mentor. How Jesus has mentored myself. How Jesus has worked through Brother Brian and Sister Courtney and Sister Taylor. All our mentors that are working with our youth. So that we could create this experience for them. But at the same time, the mentors are not just here. They're also at home. Our father, our mother, our grandfather, our grandmother, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles. All have an opportunity to mentor children. So how do we mentor children by becoming one with Jesus? Now, we heard a story that started out with the birth of Christ, that went to the baptism of Christ, and then the Sermon on the Mount to that Last Supper, to that prayer in the garden, to the sacrifice he made for us, to that angel rolling away that stone door to have that empty grave, to the ascension, the resurrection. If you would, please turn your Bibles to John 17, verses 20 through 21. If you want, we also have it up on the screen, usually. I like the print because it's a little bit bigger. <laughs> I am losing my sight.
Please follow along. I do not pray for these things alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the mentors that we have had in this world. Those mentors that strive to be one with you. Lord, continue to work with our fathers, our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, our aunts, our uncles, our friends, our co-workers. That those that you are one with, that you continue to work through them to mentor our youth. Because they are the future of this church. Lord, I ask all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want to use an illustration. And when I think about mentorship, It's kind of close to my heart because as a teacher, when I was in the classroom, I didn't see myself as a teacher. I saw myself as a mentor to my students. Now, I'm going to use some big words. That's all right. My goal is to really define those words for you so you can see the connection to our faith in Jesus. And of course, there will be a vocabulary test at the end of the sermon. (laughs) And I do expect everyone to score 100. Because I have faith in you. Now, it will be an open book test. So if you want to take some notes, feel free. I'm not one of those teachers that does not allow you to use your notes on the test. I used to put posters all around my room. I said, if you can find out on the poster, go ahead and use it. Because we do need reminders. Because this walk with Jesus will not always be easy. The first word I want to introduce to you that will be on this vocabulary test is efficacy. How many of you ever heard that word before? A couple of you. Efficacy. And in the school system, the highest effect size, according to the research, and I think this research was stolen from the Bible, is collective teacher efficacy. Got a little bit more complicated. Well, when I started thinking about efficacy, What does that mean? In layman's terms, like I said, it came from the Bible. It's to have faith in your students. That's what efficacy means. To have faith in your students. That you believe in your students. Same thing as 
parents. We could have collective parent efficacy that we believe in our children. That we know that they will do right if we guide them in the right direction. Now, we could have efficacy within the church, but you know what? When it gets into the church, we have to use a different word. We have to use the word faith. We could have a collective faith in our Lord Jesus Christ that we believe that he was born in a manger from a virgin mother. We have to, as Baptists, believe that Jesus Christ came here to take the form of a man, but was also born in a manger. Now, when I think about the manger, now, let's be honest. A lot of us have gone out, got a couple vaccines. Raise your hand. No, you don't have to. Uh, If you have had two vaccines... I've had two vaccines. How many of you had had vaccines and still got COVID? Yeah, I probably got COVID a couple times after vaccines. How many of you still wear a mask wherever you go? I do. I wear that mask all day long when I'm in the schools. I wear that mask when I get on that airplane. Actually, they have a law. If you don't wear your mask on the airplane, they won't let you go where you want to go. And they could be really mean about it. I haven't seen them kick anyone off the plane yet. But when I think about that, that manger, that trough where the animals eat out of, that there had to be all kinds of bacteria. There had to be all kinds of viruses within that trough. All kinds of sickness. Now we can think about it. Jesus is God, right? He could have been born wherever he wanted to be born. But he was born in the lowliest of lows. What does that mean to you? What does Jesus tell us through that window? Through that birth? Now, Jesus, of course... Being the son of God, still saw the importance of being baptized. He didn't feel like he was superior, like, I'm already God. Why do I need to be baptized? He mentored us how to do the right thing. Now, as a Baptist, now that's a big thing. If you get saved, almost the very first remark It's going to be, were you baptized? Then they might ask, were you sprinkled or were you fully emerged underneath the water? Did you go down to the river or did you do it in the pool at the church? It's important to us. You almost have to be baptized, fully submerged, so that we could have that right of Baptist of being able to sit in the back of the church. Because if you're only sprinkled, they're probably not going to let you sit in the back of the church. <laughs> but that baptism is important to us 
Because that tells the world that we live for Jesus. That we love Jesus, that we want to be with Jesus, that we worship Jesus. Also starts the war. Because not only our friends and our families, our brothers and our sisters hear about it, we also can proclaim it to the devil and his minions. Now, some people, they're probably a little shy. Wait, wait a second, I'm not ready to go to war yet. Let me wait a couple more months, a couple more years. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I was saved 20 years. I'm ready to be baptized. But that's important to us, is to be baptized. Now, when I look at the third window, the Sermon on the Mount, and back then, they had all kinds of beautiful temples and places to go worship. But Jesus went to the people. And often we have to do the same. That church is just not in this building, but it's also outside the doors of this building. That when he went out and he taught the masses, of course, he fed them too. He performed some miracles. He made a lot of bread and a lot of fish because people were hungry. But they were also spiritually hungry. They wanted to learn from Jesus. And usually we'll take a sermon and we'll just take a part out of Matthews 5 through 7. Because if you look at Matthews 5 through 7, it's almost all red. We'll take a little part, and some preachers, they'll preach on it for two hours. Can you imagine 5, 6, and 7? He must have been up on that mountain for a while. There was a lot to be learned. But it didn't just end there. He also prepared the church for us. And he prepared the church for us through his disciples at that final supper. And when we think about that final supper, the one thing that stood out to me, and it always stands out to me, that the God with all this power that formed the heavens and the earth washed the disciples' feet. And when the disciples started to get a little, okay, wait a second, we're going to be leaders. Jesus didn't say lead from the front. Don't be first. He said be last. And when I think about that, that's probably one of the most important things that we could think about to be one with Jesus. If we feel that we are better than others, they're not going to listen to us. We have to be one with Jesus. We have to have the same mindset of Jesus. That's about saving the lost. It's about witnessing to the lost. It's about who's your one. That one person that you have been praying for for years. that someday that they'll come to this altar, maybe today, and give their life to Jesus. Now, if we look at the prayer in the garden, I think the prayer in the garden is very important. And I've heard different perspectives. You could look at Luke 
And it's just straightforward. We, we heard that reading from Halana. This is a beautiful scripture. And I like how Brother Gerald put it. That tears of blood were pouring out of his eyes. That he was praying so hard for all the future believers. Now, if we look at in John, we actually see he breaks it down into three parts. The prayer for himself, the prayer for the disciples, and the prayer for future believers. And when he said that prayer for future believers, and we go back to those verses, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for all who will. Believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, as I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe That you sent me. That you sent me. When I looked at that scripture, of course, my mind goes somewhere else. I was thinking, that had to be the first algebra problem ever written. I got that look. Because if you think about it, he says that Jesus was one with God. Right? So A plus B equals one. Then Jesus said that he was one with us. A plus C equals one. So B plus C should also equal we are one with God. How did I do on my math? (laughs) This year? Try to throw a little math math in there. But if we think about it, if we're one with Jesus, then we're also one with God. Let me say that one more time. If we're one with Jesus, we're also one with God. So when we think about Jesus' story from his birth to the baptism to the Sermon on the Mount, to the Last Supper, to that prayer. That prayer was about us becoming one with Jesus so that we also become one with the Father. And to be able to do that, he had to make the ultimate sacrifice. He had to give his life for us, for our sins. Because if we read the Bible, we know that God can't be with sin. That we need Jesus to be with God. We need Jesus to be with God. We needed that love you talked so much about. Valentine's Day, how He loved us so much that he gave his only son so that all us believers could have eternal life. That's what it's all about. 
wherever you are with your relationship with Jesus Christ, it always starts with the sixth window, his sacrifice for us. But it's really important to realize in the seventh window that the grave didn't keep him down. That everyone else that was either a prophet or, or a leader or had such great influence on the world. We could look at Martin Luther King. We could look at Gandhi. We could look at all these people that have had this huge impact on the way that we see life. But there's only one that conquered the grave. And that was Jesus Christ. And he conquered it for us. So that we not only could be one with Jesus, but we could be one with God. So when we think about to that illustration in that vocabulary test, that efficacy, and why I think it's so important and so hard at the same time, we have to have faith in those that we mentor. We have to have faith that will lead them in the right direction. But how do we do that? Well, Albert Bandera, the one that did the research first on collective teacher efficacy, said that we had to have those vicarious experiences. I like that word, vicarious. That means our youth has to do it. They have to get in front of the windows and experience that opportunity. They have to get up in the, the choir loft and sing. They have to get up here and do drama because every time they do that, it creates a memory. Those memories will guide them in the right direction. How do we create those memories? Become a part of the church. If you're, if you're an adult, there's nothing holding back any adult in here from becoming a mentor. To either work with the youth, to work with um, young adults, to work with the elderly. Mentoring never start, stops. Become involved. Bring your children, bring your grandchildren, bring your nephews and your nieces to church. Because that's where it starts. It starts within the fellowship. The very last song that Brian, Brother Brian shared with us is all about him going to sit on the right hand of the Father. To be that advocate for us. Now before he went there. He did see some of his disciples. Now when we think about efficacy. Remember I'm going to give you the answer to the, the vocabulary test at the end. Efficacy means what? Faith in your students. Faith in your students. Now, if we want collective teacher efficacy, 
What might that look like? Well, in kindergarten, that collective teacher efficacy might believe that all your students could count to 10 and say the whole entire alphabet. Now, if one teacher believes that, then that teacher has efficacy. If all teachers believe that, then we call that the collective teacher efficacy. Knowing what we want our students to accomplish, knowing what we want to accomplish as believers, and then others encouraging us and believing in us. That creates that efficacy. However, there was one person that I would say his self-esteem was a little low because we also know what takes away from collective teacher efficacy is low self-esteem. Not believing your students could do it. Now, in the Bible, we call that doubting. Doubting in our Jesus. Don't doubt. Don't be like Tom's. Just like parents or grandparents, don't doubt in your children. They will make mistakes. They all make mistakes. They're children. They're exploring. They're experimenting. But as you saw, they came through today. Now, it did take a storm, so we had a couple extra weeks. (laughs) Jesus answered my prayer. (laughs) We need more time. Then I got to thinking about it. I have to have faith in them. And most of you know, I'm taking off on Sunday and I'm returning Friday night. And I, I think I was able to make one practice, brother. One practice. I really had to have faith, not just in the students, but in Sister Taylor. You saw that drama. That was amazing. Was it not? I mean, I could feel the spirit right now inside me. When I think about how she was able to mentor those children to get up in front of all of us and do drama. Now, Lily, I'll be honest, my little sister Lily, I probably put a lot of pressure on her. (laughs) I said, Lily, I want you to handle the music. The music is all yours. Get with Miss Taylor. Um, because as a mentor, we got to give them the opportunity. Do we not? We don't want to spoon feed them. We want them to become independent because they are the future leaders. If we wait until they graduate, go off to college, it is too late to give them those experiences in church. We have to do it now. And there's a lot of ways we could give those experiences. But we have to have that efficacy. We have to believe in them. I believe in Lily. I knew that she could organize the music for us. And it would be perfect. Honestly, it would be way better than I could do it. Most of you, I tried to sing Brother Bright's song this morning upstairs. It did not come out right. In my mind, no, it wasn't even right there. <laughs> I just can't see. But we have to be that mentor. We can't doubt 
in our children. We have to give them the experience. Now, Mikey and Courtney, when we first came up with the idea, and Gerald came to me, they went out and wrote all the scripts for the students. And then they worked with the students for weeks. It's like everyone came together. I didn't have to manage anything. All I had to do was have that efficacy in those around me that they'll be able to do it. Now, are you ready for the vocabulary test? All right. On the count of three, what does efficacy mean? So take that away. Now, we could have efficacy within our students to be faithful in them that they'll be able to perform. They'll be able to share the word of God. But some of us here today need to have faith in Jesus. They need to have trust in Jesus. Because there's really only two choices. And when you think about it, it's a scary choice if you're not saved today. You're either one with him, and if you're one with him, you're also one with God, which means when you leave this world, you will still be one with him. The other choice, if you're not saved, you are not one with him. And that's a scary place to be. But you have today. As Lily comes forward and sings another beautiful song for us, we're going to give you the opportunity to come to this altar And become one with Jesus. It's a simple choice. It's not difficult. Because if you could create the heavens and the earth. You're going to be just fine. Being one with him. If he could die for us. On that cross. And three days later. Raised from that grave. You will be fine. Because you'll be one with him. So I open up the altar to you. If you want to come today and give your life to Jesus,